0: For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So how many of us have already started Christmas shopping? Come on, wow, more than I would expect. More than I would expect for sure. And how many of us in giving gifts at Christmas just have a hard time holding on to them? Have a hard time like not giving them early. All right, so yeah, (laughs) that's me completely. When it comes to giving gifts, like you know that scene in uh, Christmas Vacation where Clark goes up in the attic to hide his gifts and he finds one from like five years ago? That's like the complete opposite for me. Like I can learn some from him. Because when I get gifts, I get so excited to give them. I get so excited to see the look on my kids' faces. I get so excited to see the look on my wife's face. In fact, I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag now. Like I can identify at least one gift that I've bought so far that is probably going to be opened early. Some of my boys earned the gathering, and they're, yeah, we're going to make a conversation of this on the way home, I can tell. What is it about giving gifts? We get so excited. I believe that it's because people, you and me, were made in the image of God, and our God is a generous God. And that generosity flows through us. It sounds cliche, but it's true that the gift is in the giving, right? And what we're going to see this morning is that God works through our generosity. Being made in the likeness of God, being made in the likeness of a generous God. God also works through and uses our generosity not only to bless others, but to bless ourselves. So I say the word generosity, and, I, and I, I can imagine that people are thinking, okay, Christmas offering's coming up, Pastor Chris drew the short straw, so he's got to give the sermon on giving. You're thinking, oh man, I really liked him up to this point, and now it's going to get all financial. I wanna put that to rest right now. Because what's interesting is, when we look at this passage from Philippians, that's about giving. The Apostle Paul mentions very little about what the gift is. And instead he focuses on the fruit of generosity. The fruit of what generosity means for him and for his friends. In the church. Because he understood that generosity was more than just money. Paul knew that. And that's what Paul was sharing with his friends. And that's what Paul is sharing with us now. So, before you have these sort of preconceived ideas on how this sermon's gonna go, what the result's gonna be, I'm just gonna ask that you take a moment and ask God to broaden your perspective on generosity. In our series Hope Dealers, Paul's given us an inside look into so many elements of his relationship with his dear friends, the church in Philippi. We've seen his perspective on friendship, on suffering, discipleship, conflict, contentment. And today we get to see Paul's insight, that eternal perspective that he has on the idea of generosity. So this morning, I want to share three principles that I believe God is using Paul to teach us about generosity. And at a time together, I want us to search our own hearts with a question. What are the things that are hindering my generosity? What are the things that are hindering my generosity? It's easy for us to get caught up in our own needs, right? Right? When we think about generosity, it's it's easy to think about what we're going to be giving up. Whether it's our money, possessions, our time, maybe even all of those things. See, for me, my my paradigm or my perspective on generosity for a large majority of my life was very much like input-output. It was a very legalistic view on giving and generosity. It was pretty simple for me. It was just the church needed to pay their bills, and I'm a part of the church, so I give towards the church. Whether it was money or or talents or gifts or time. It was a purely input-output view of generosity. It was very economical, right? I give to the church because I love the church, and the church needs me to give. The problem with that is when time or money it's tight, then it affects my generosity. My generosity comes, becomes just as operational, just as input-output. And for me personally, it hinders my ability to participate in all that God's doing. Because I've learned through time that God's economy is not the same as the world's economy. For me, giving was very much just the church needs, I give, the church got. But in God's economy, and what Paul's going to show us in this passage, is he's trying to build a greater framework on what generosity is. And like I said, it's, it's more than just the gift that he received. If you were to study the original Greek of this passage and the terms that Paul is using, like you, can, you could grab from it financial terms. So even in some commentaries that I read, it's, it's, they, I read things like, there's reason to believe it was a financial gift, but there's no, nobody can like pinpoint it. Paul kind of leaves that very very vague. And so my hope for our time together today is that we, when we think about generosity and when we think about giving, it becomes more than just an input output that we're able to overcome any hindrance that we have in our generosity because of that belief that it's an input-output sort of thing. And it's hard to give up what we have sometimes. But that God uses this time to give us like a more robust understanding of how in God's economy, the way God sees generosity, how it works. And that that motivates us to be a generous church. So I want you to think on that question, what are the things that hinder my generosity? And as you're thinking on that question, we're gonna look at this passage in Philippians and I wanna draw just three principles from it that are gonna help, I think, contextualize that framework of what generosity looks like in God's economy. And the first one is this, that generosity is a partnership. Generosity in giving is more than just an exchange. We're missing out on generosity if we think about it this way. What Paul is showing us is that generosity is more than just the giving. It's for one another. In fact, what he says is it's for the giver and the receiver. In God's economy, generosity flourishes and it reciprocates. It's a partnership. It's more than just dropping an envelope in a giving box. It fosters community, unity, friendship. He says to the Philippian church that they shared with him in the matter of giving and receiving. They shared with him. It was a partnership. Look what it says in verse 14. Still you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you, the, you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. I love how Paul points out that it's reciprocated. His eternal perspective on on giving wasn't one where he had a need and the church supplied that need. But he also acknowledges that there's blessing in the receiving as well. Blessing in the giving, blessing in the receiving. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing your account. Remember all the way back to week one of this series, the main idea of week one when we were talking about friendship, Pastor Josh said a friend is safe, gives you their best, and brings out the best in you. And what we see in the Philippian church is that their generosity wasn't just a need to give or necessarily Paul's need to receive. He says it right there, not that I seek the gift, but their generosity was a fruit was fruit of their relationship, their commitment, their partnership, their friendship. There was this idea that whatever was Paul's need to receive was their need to give. You get the sense that their relationship is such that the giving and receiving was sort of secondary to the fact that they were just in relationship and and partnership with one another. I was talking to someone from our church this past week, who's part of a group of local Christian business owners, and they support one another, hold each other accountable. And she was sharing with me the story about how, about, about how one of the members was running into a hardship with the space that they were leasing, and they had all of this. Um, they had to they put, had to put all of their things into storage. They had no place to store their things while their business was in transition. And she said, "I just told my manager and my employees." that I'll be back and I started driving down to Providence. Probably wasn't the best business decision for her, but there was that felt need that someone that she had partnered with, was in a relationship with, was friends with, needed her help, so she just dropped what she was doing and left to go help her friend. You get the sense that this idea of generosity being partnership makes the, the giving and the receiving sort of secondary. I'm sure that most of you here who are in community groups have some sort of story where there was that felt need. It wasn't even, the question wasn't even so much like whether or not you wanted to meet these people's needs, was how soon, what do you need, what can we do for you? We experienced that within our community groups as well. That's generosity and that's appropriate for us to, as we build this framework of what generosity is because it's so easy for us to just get used to the exchange, giving and receiving. It's appropriate for us to contextualize it the way that Paul does. in knowing that relationships and community, that helps foster a heart of generosity. There are many different ways that our church has to partner. I mentioned a few of them early on. And it's so important to know to, to remember that when we give to the church, we're not just giving to keep the, the heat on. Think of the many different opportunities we have this season with the Christmas offering and other missions. The Christmas offering, you're, we're we're partnering with hiring a pastor who's gonna the pastor the next generation of our church. With bags of hope, we have the opportunity to come alongside children in need parentless children in need. And with NEU church planting, you have the opportunity to plant an uh, all-Hispanic church in Central Falls, Rhode Island. God's mission on the move. I challenge you to get involved in in one of these areas and see how God's going to bless your life. See how God's going to give you a context of generosity that goes Beyond just the exchange. So, God wants us to to experience partnership in generosity. The second thing that Paul's letter to the Philippians shows us is that generosity is also worship. Generosity is worship. How many of us think about generosity and giving as a form of our worship? Next in his letter, Paul alludes to Old Testament imagery of an offering's fragrant when the, a fragrance when the priest would present the burnt offering before God. The Bible describes this offering in the book of Levit- Le- Le- Leviticus and says how the aroma of the offering was pleasing to God. Look what it says in verse 18. Paul says, but I've received everything in full and I have an abundance. I'm fully supplied Having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, he describes it as a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul's looking at their generosity as a form of worship. He's receiving their generosity as a form of worship. We read about the same imagery in the letter, uh, in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, where he says in. Chapter five, verses one and two, therefore be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in the love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. This imagery of this interaction with God, for me, is so powerful that somehow our generosity here on earth has a way of wafting up into eternity. And it's an aroma pleasing to God. I think it's fitting as we enter into this Thanksgiving week, right? A time, a day that's filled with so many different aromas. For me, I can, I can close my eyes and I can, I can smell Thanksgiving like that. I can see it and I can smell Thanksgiving. My grandfather would bring his sausage stuffing My Aunt Bev would always bring the apple pie. My Uncle George would always be basting the turkey in and out of the oven. I can smell it. There's this sense of nostalgia that just hits me. And consequently, how many of us have that one dish in Thanksgiving that's just kind of there because it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without it? So I love my mother-in-law to death, and she is an amazing cook. But when I married my wife, Renee, and we started celebrating Thanksgiving, there was this dish that I think is mashed carrots and turnips. Okay. That's what, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's Thanksgiving. For me, that was completely foreign. For me, that was completely foreign. I'm like, what is this and why is it here? But I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what, every, every Thanksgiving, I take a scoop of that and I put it on my plate because it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without that dish. And it's the same way that God looks at our generosity in worship. Our generosity is an element of worship, and you have to think that as we're being generous with one another, and that fragrant offering is going up to God. I wonder, is is he snapped back to that same sense of nostalgia when he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden? Or is he looking ahead at what's to come in the promise of eternity, knowing that he's gonna share that same thanksgiving with us? Our generosity is a form of worship. Man, I got ahead of myself. Whoo! Our generosity is a, is a form of worship pleasing to God. When he sees our generosity, he receives glory. He receives honor. He receives worship. When we walk to the back of the worship center, we drop an envelope in the giving box. When we're serving on Serve Sunday with our local organizations and around our community, as we give towards the Christmas offering, maybe as we take time today and sacrifice our afternoon, to help Afghan refugees in transition. Think of it as an act of worship. Have that imagery of what you're doing in that moment of generosity, wafting up to the nose of God and being a pleasing aroma to him. Our generosity in our giving is worship. It's partnership, it's worship, and lastly, our generosity is an act of faith. Generosity is rooted in faith. Generosity is the root of our faith. We're reminded of that as Advent is right around the corner. We're reminded in that that God gave first, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Paul reminds us of that in verses 19 and 20 where he says, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. And my God will supply all your needs. I think for a lot of us here, that's the the tough part. In giving, in generosity, we wanna believe that God will supply all our needs, but sometimes it's hard. We have a hard time letting go of those things, those tangible things, those real things, stuff that we feel, because we're not 100% convinced that God's gonna come through. We can let those things hinder our generosity, things like our comfort, fear, anxiety, Lack of understanding, right? It's an act of faith to give. some ways, it's easier to give than others. Some seasons, it's easier to give than other seasons. I remember... Remember how I said generosity for me was more... Like economical, input, output. I remember plenty of seasons, because for 15 years, leading up to transitioning into ministry, my wife and I owned a small swimming pool business. And so, if you think of a swimming pool business, it is seasonal, weather dependent, luxury. So when the economy hits, it's like the first thing to be scratched off. Not only that, but every single year, there's a, there's a dead season the the wintertime. We would literally close up shop. And there were some dark, dark seasons, just sitting around, you know, wondering if someone's gonna come through the door, wondering if there's gonna be another pool season. That surely affected my giving because I had that economical input-output mindset. It restricted my generosity. But I remember a moment when it was, I didn't hear a voice from God, but he sure did press it upon my heart. And it was one of those moments in the in the the darkness of winter. And he just said, Chris, I am in control of every dollar that comes into your business. I'm in control. For me, that that helped with my faith in generosity. we all know what it's like to have a dark season. We all know what it's like to be hindered in our generosity. Because it's hard to let go. It's hard to let go of the tangible stuff. It's hard to give that over to God. Our generosity is an act of faith. We need to be reminded not to trust in the riches of the world or what the world would call success and not let that hinder our generosity but we need to trust in the promise of hope that we have according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus i can't tell you how much that real life economical example has formed and reinforced my understanding of God's economy and how he works through generosity. It's affected where I place my hope. It's affected my faith. Generosity is an act of faith. Then lastly, in in Paul's closing, as he closes out his letter to the Philippians, he, he bookends his letter similar to how he started it. He ends with unity and their identity in Christ and grace and peace that is only found in a life surrendered to Jesus. He says in verse 21 through 23, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As we close, I want to jump back to verse 17 real quick. Look again at verse 17 uh, verse 17, where Paul's talking about the gift that he received. He said, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. I think this one verse right here gives us a glimpse of Paul's eternal perspective. or Paul's, It sums up Paul's framework on what generosity is, not just for the giver, but also for the receiver. Part of Paul's thankfulness is for the Philippians' partnership with him. He's thankful of what their generosity means to him. But on top of that, he's thankful for what their generosity means for them. The profit that is increasing to their account. Their account to who? Their account to who? Their account in the kingdom of God. I just find it amazing as we work through this passage and we speak about generosity and having to put together a sermon on giving, it's so easy to get caught up in that horizontal exchange of giving and receiving. But what Paul's doing here in his eternal mindset, his eternal lens, his eternal framework, he's reminding us that within God's economy, generosity is also vertical. Counted towards our account in the kingdom of God. It's vertical. It's part of our relationship with God, as well as with one another. And we know that it, this doesn't mean that God needs anything from us. But that he's inviting us in to this opportunity of experiencing, giving and receiving. Experiencing generosity and generosity that goes so much more beyond just that horizontal exchange. It goes so much more beyond just dropping something in the offering box. It goes so much far beyond just offering two hours of your time and then heading home. This fragrant offering that's wafting up into the nose of God is wafting up into eternity. God uses generosity so much more than I think we realize. Almost to the point where I think we, we end up being deceived into what generosity actually looks like. When we sort of turn our heart, tune our hearts towards God's view of generosity, it just flourishes. That's what he's inviting us into. That's what we want to invite one another into as a church, as we head into this Christmas season and we have the Christmas offering and we have this immediate need this afternoon. We should know that it's God inviting us into an opportunity that's gonna be counted towards our account in eternity. So then, my next question is, how many of us are ready to shift our perspective in generosity? How many of us are ready to take that next step in generosity this morning? Every week we have our Connect card, and from the sermon we put a next step on the Connect card. And this week I made a few calls, And I got the okay to put three different next steps on the connect card when it comes to generosity. Now here's the thing, on the next steps you'll see, begin a relationship with Jesus, you'll see, join a group. And if you feel God's calling you or moving you to do any of those things, we want you to check those boxes. But when you look at those three generosity boxes, I think that each one of us here this morning can check one of those boxes. I think each one of us here this morning has a next step in generosity. So you'll see the three different next steps in generosity. And the first one is to just start giving. Maybe you don't give to the church. Maybe you haven't looked at generosity this way. And you say, yeah, I want to become a more generous person. I want to start giving my money, my time, my talents, my gifts. Well, then check that box start giving today and what we're gonna do is we're actually gonna challenge we're gonna do a 90-day giving challenge we're gonna challenge each one of you to take your next step in giving at the end of it we're gonna we're gonna anticipate the fruit and the stories that are gonna come from that But if you check the box to start giving today we're actually gonna send you a free book fields of gold by Andy Stanley And we're going to follow up with emails periodically over the next 90 days to encourage you in this first step of giving. If you've already started giving, maybe God's calling you to give a bit more consistently. Maybe the way you view generosity and giving is, is out of convenience. Maybe you're giving monthly. and God's calling you to give weekly. If you feel God that's calling to is calling you to to give more consistently, then we want you to check that box. And the last one, probably the hardest one to check, too, is to give sacrificially. If you're already at the point where you're giving consistently, search your hearts and ask God how you can start giving sacrificially. Maybe that means ditching the plans you had this afternoon to kick your feet up and watch a football game and help clean out a home for Afghan refugees there's something about giving that it should impact us, right we should feel it so maybe if you've got, just got caught up in the rhythm of giving consistently God's moving your heart towards giving sacrificially Either way, I I think that each one of us here has a next step in giving. And I would encourage you to check off that box. We're going to follow up with each one of you with words of encouragement. And take that 90-day challenge. I'm willing willing to bet that at the end of the 90 days, God's going to do a work in your heart and God's going to move in your heart. Once you fill these out, you can drop them in the back of the worship center in the giving box. We're going to respond with a song now that reinforces that we are children of God that reinforces that, that, that fear that anxiety that may be hindering us from giving more that we can speak the name of Jesus over that and we can ask God to give us more generous hearts ask God to build our faith through our generosity so let's stand together and I'm going to pray for us Heavenly Father, we surrender. we surrender our whole lives, God. God, we want to be generous people. We want to give because you gave first. And so, God, I, I pray for each one of us here this morning that your spirit would stir in us and move us towards that next step of generosity that you're calling us to. God, that we can just eradicate any fear, that we can eradicate any anxiety, any hindrance that's keeping us from being generous givers. God, we've heard from your word, your perspective on generosity. What generosity means to you, and that alone motivates us. We're thankful for your word and for the power of your word, for the power of your spirit, for the power of your son, Jesus. The transforming power of your son, Jesus. Continue to do a work in us, God, as we don't look at the life and world around us, but as we look in the hope that we have with you. Let that be the framework of all that we do, including our generosity. We pray these things in the mighty, mighty name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.